Hey, Danny. I hope you're doing good. Zach, always nice to see your smiling face. I'm going to get started with a song and give folks a chance to arrive. All right, here we go. This song came out in November. Let's start with home. 2016. I threw it in the middle like a skipping stone. The ripples won. Son of a gun. Some would not have thought so. But I stand here, Commander in Chief. And I take that seriously But along the way A rogue ripple turned tidal wave In reaction to what I tried to do The rebirth of a nation's hatred Red, white, and blue Is black in there too Seriously One man rewriting the book on bad behavior Maybe cheats the neighbors You see, guess what they pay for weekend Pat him on the back and send him on through No man's ignorance will ever be his virtue Is this the best we can be? Seriously. Let's talk of fear and why I don't bring it in here. It's a dangerous word, spooks the herd, and we all bleed in the stampede. Fear makes a false friend indeed, and I take it seriously. Why not take our time all the weight of this story? 
seriously. Oh, welcome everybody to Crowdsourcing Revolution. That was seriously uh, commissioned by uh, This American Life, written by Sarah Bareilles, performed by Leslie Odom Jr., and released uh, the weekend before Trump got elected. And it has always rung in my ears since that time, and so I just will continue to play it because it is a beautiful song. I saw your comment there, BK. It does hit differently. Watson, nice to see you. Martin and Danny and Zach, I already said hello. BK, very nice to see you all here. Hopefully we'll get some other folks here. But there's a, um, I wanted to have an episode today focusing particularly on what we can do related to electoralism at the federal level. I know it's not much. We feel like we have no say. There's been studies done that we don't have any say. But that can change in a couple of ways. And there are a few approaches. And if you ask me if we're going to do anything to make change for other people and for ourselves, I think it is imperative that we take every pathway forward that will lead us into a better place, which means that if you're not into electoralism, maybe today's show isn't your jam. If you're done with people who are elected leaders and relying on them or even kind of thinking they might be supporting you, that's fine. Maybe this show isn't for you. There will be a show probably next week or the week after that is about something, a place where you can do something to make our democracy a better place. At least that's my goal in having these shows. I just want to go over the two two ideas, very 30,000 foot, and we will get into some conversation. One of the ideas is an idea actually that comes from Ralph Nader. He briefly, if you listened to his interview recently with Brianna Joy Gray, he spoke about it, but he's also written a book about it. And it's about putting together an organization of approximately a thousand paid organizers that would organize in every state, every representative district, organize people in order to put pressure on our representatives in Congress. His assertion on Brianna's show was that within 18 months, we could have universal health care if this was done. And this is the time to do it because it will take about 18 months till we're in campaign season again for the House of Representatives, which every single two years, all of them have to be reelected or thrown out. So now is the time to be focusing on that. The second 30,000 foot view is yes, we are not in campaign season yet. I'm so tired of campaign season not ever ending like fire season in California. However, this is the time to go and try and reach out to those people who ran for office and did not win, 
who are independent, who are of some kind of interest because they are not part of the Republican or Democratic Party. And there are about 200 candidates that ran that were not either primary party. Uh, and out of those, there's about 25 who got over 10,000 votes in their district, which is fairly significant for a non-corporate party candidate anywhere. And that was only counting the November elections. I didn't go all the way back to the primaries. All of that said, now is the time to be reaching out to those folks and seeing if they will run again, getting their feedback about what it was like running, what they would do different, basically getting some tips about if we're going to try and get some candidates that are not Democrat or Republican to run for Congress next time. Because if we don't have somebody in the primaries, then it's all said and done, you know, before November anyway. So those are the two basic ideas. I'm open to other ideas. And if you have criticism of those ideas, I would prefer to have ways that you think that you, that, that you can improve on those ideas. Um, I suspect there's probably a game plan for the Ralph Nader program, and that will involve raising money. And I'm sure there's already like a, a map for how to do it, because if there's anything that I know about Ralph Nader, he doesn't do things halfway. So um, anybody that I haven't read the book, he said it's about 170 pages, but I have heard him talk about the idea before. So Zach, thanks for your patience. What's on your mind? Hey, how's it going, Amanda? It's nice to see you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Um, so. I had two things I wanted to mention. Um, okay. You were talking about the orgs that we have to create. Um, my problem has been um, uh, why I'm, uh, I, what's that word? Not cavalier, but um, when you don't think it's going to work. Um, do those orgs already exist? Um, and are they failing? And if they are failing, how do we take their place and make sure we don't fall into those same traps where it's just, you know, the American political structure is going to eat us? So how do we, so if I'm hearing your question right, how do we not fall into the old traps? And you're saying, isn't there already an organizations that are existing and they haven't fixed it yet? So why would we make another one? Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Why would, um, why would not, I mean, that's a little harsh. Like I'm, okay. I'm for that, but, um, <laughs> I didn't mean yeah, to, I didn't mean to distill it down to something harsh. I was, no, no, I, I think, um, I, I think, uh, if we want to, we should take it that way to, um, maybe for a wake-up call, why would we want to do the same thing and try to expect different results? I'm 100% on board the train of why would we expect different results if we try the same thing. I'm also 100% sure that if if a new organization is started up, you're going to have the startup costs and time and gathering people together, so there's downsides to that. 
There's also downsides to entering an organization that already exists, including but not limited to the baggage of their previous histories of not succeeding and their vested interest in not succeeding because if they succeed, then where do they do as an organization, right? These are all common criticisms. Yes, I think if we're not, I think that 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 if we're not trying to do something, we're just making excuses for why we're not doing something. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's it's hard when I think about it because it's like we can't do it because the whole system is corrupt. Why aren't you doing it to make the whole system, you know, new? It 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 kind of sucks when I think about it because it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. What can you do? Um, so I, I just had that thought um, pertaining to organizing. Um, I've been talking on some other shows and listening and um, uh, organizing on the federal level is seems to be such a behemoth that a couple of my comrades um, have actually switched focus to local organizing and organizing from the bottom up. And I think uh, that deserves uh some real consideration for uh us as activists so that we can i i think uh you know you kind of implied we want the the shortest path to success i think you know getting in local offices to because the the state's can make their own laws, you know, similar to the federal government. Um, it, it, it sucks because it would take a lot more time. And that's why I was more advert, you know, um, against it. But I, I've come to realize that, you know, a lot of these states are raising their minimum wages. They're doing uh, actions for organizing uh, unions and stuff. Um, uh, legalizing pot, for instance, I, I think organizing on the local level might actually give us a better chance um, with a interconnected national feel um, uh, to to actually have some success. I hundred percent agree. Watson, would you like to chime in? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about bottom up everything. Uh, I was thinking, you know, when we're talking about who we're going to support, you know, I, I think you might know I'm kind of hostile to the whole electoral thing. So I but, do. I appreciate uh, you being here. <laughs> <laughs> I was, there is, um, so talking about strategy. I got to hang up with that word um, because it just means so many things to different people. But there's a, you know, I like to recommend books. So Lydell Hart is a very influential um, military strategist. And I guess you can summarize uh, his advice is you should always put your enemy on the horns of a dilemma. So if you see these maps, these military maps where you see these curved arrows from two different directions going somewhere, your enemy should always be wondering which direction you're coming from. You're coming from both, 
um, but they can't just concentrate forces. And it's more to it than that. But basically, you should the way that you're formulating how you're going to do your attack should always be kind of a hedging situation. And um, I mean, I could give military examples. I was in the Marine Corps, so I, I can give military examples of that. Um, but you know, that might be. You said you, know, you said Lydell Hart. Is that H E A R T or just H A R T? H A R T. Okay. And the name of the book is Strategy. But um, I'm always when we talk about strategy. I mean, coming from a military standpoint, I just got fixated on reading everything that was like military strategy and all that. And then I got into game theory and all these things, just trying to think about fairness for the regular common person and how it is that to bring it back to bottom up. How is it that the average regular, you could say worker or person, how is it that they can compete or deal with someone that's an elite? And so I'm always about trying to take what it is that's in their books and saying, how do we reformulate that and try to communicate that to the average person worker to where we can be more efficient and so electoral politics right how is it that how are what would be well first off i think i i kind of really believe in that you should always put your enemy on the horns of dilemma they should not be able to just go at you one way they have to deal with you in two different ways and and um so how would we do that and when you brought up um zach was bringing up and I think you were bringing up like third parties versus the regular party. And and you have all these battles within the ecosystem. You've got the Jimmy Dorries and then um, Brianna, you know, and um, uh, everybody else. And it's kind of and then you got the squad and everybody. And then you got, you know, kind of the more regular traditional Democrats. And. Um, there is this, I will say that they're very good. I would say traditional Democrat, I will just go ahead and say neoliberal is very good at kind of having this fatalism of you, you're going to have to roll, roll yourself right into us because there's really no other option in many different ways. I think that we over on the, you could call it the true left or progressive, whatever it is we have to have a dual strategy. We have to have this horns of the dilemma, like how they, I mean, there's different ways. If you start thinking this way, you start seeing it everywhere. When you start coming up against real good competitors to you, you start seeing that they put you on a horns of a dilemma. Like they'll say, okay, you need, you need to vote for Trump or vote for Biden. Like, okay. Right. You know, that's, that's one, right? We need to do that. Right. You have to have in game theory, they call it a credible threat. You have to have a yep. credible threat in order to make it. So you say third party needs to be a credible threat in order for So you, you brought up Ralph Nader and so on and so forth. He pretty much understands what we're talking about. Right. It, we we so, got to have that mentality, I think. So that's kind of one of the things that he talked about in his putting together these thousand organizers that would essentially build these neighborhood councils to pressure, actually bring, bring together people 
in the representatives districts who are voters for that representative. So there's an actual credible threat to their reelection. What it is those organizers are pushing for. And what he was saying was you don't do it for every issue. You do it for one issue. And this is, and this is part of the thing. And I totally agree with Zach. It has to be local level. When I'm talking about nationally organizing, I'm not talking about me somewhere out there projecting myself to nationally to everybody. I'm talking about in my representative district, I'm going to do my thing based on this format that's already been, you know, there's a formula for how we do this particular strategy. So I'm not working, I might be working with people across the country because I'm an organizer, a paid organizer full time to do this job. But when I'm actually doing my work, I'm actually working with the people that I live nearby that I vote with for my representative. And that's part of that is, that's part of his plan with that, making a credible threat. Now, admittedly, the second idea of reaching out to people who ran last time is a much, 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 much weaker idea because his idea actually has a chance of, theoretically, if you can get the money together, which I think this country could, there's enough people pissed off it could be done, that it could be done. I don't know who would do it because I don't think it should be done by Ralph Nader necessarily, but if you could get some leaders in there to do it. Also, before you respond, I just wanted to compliment your excellent call on the um, Sabby Sabs um, and John Parker show, whatever show that was with the Pangburn. Excellent job. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I feel like, what was his name? John? John is my audience. I don't, I don't. I feel like I'm supposed to talk to definitely his age group on the right. That's who I'm supposed to be trying to win over. I'm supposed to be an evangelist to them. That's what I think my calling is supposed to be. So I normally don't, <laughs> I'm normally not in some of the left spaces. I feel like, and so I'm trying to get better at talking to them because I'm normally, you know, historically I have been just talking in the, echo chamber kind of thing and i'm like oh no i need to be over there so i thought it um, was very i thought it was very good yeah we'll see if he takes a look at some of those things but yeah so what you're saying ralph nader with the thousand organizers i think that was on the that was on the brianna yep they touched um, on it briefly okay. yeah 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 so I, and then thousand organizers, that would be kind of for a, what a, like a, a district kind of thing. Right. There's and then two, that's what's gonna... two per mm -hmm. district. Mm -hmm. So I would like, so if we were to say, and, and it's interesting. So thinking maybe, about strategy, maybe, John, think... maybe Jonathan knows about it more. Maybe Jonathan mm -hmm. wants to chime in if he can, but, uh, but anyway, sorry, strategy. Yeah, yeah, you can bring him up. Um, so talking about strategy and trying to convince people, again, I'm more going to be on the economic business side, trying to get people to work in such a way that's not exploitative with cooperatives and all of that stuff. When it comes to the electoral, I want to support, right? So there should be this multi-pronged system where 
you know, we're trying to the economic side for I'll call it the left um, is trying to support those policies and really um, you get to call it propaganda or whatever, talking points, all these types of things. And what like Rolf Nader was saying. And so trying to make it a clear path to where um, I'm spending for the, you know, the different like involved with a business cooperative, whatever it is, certain percentage uh, of the money or whatever to try to get these thousand organizers or people. I don't know if it was thousand organizers or thousand people who are going to voice their opinions to a representative to scare them, something like that, a clear plan to where I can see that so I can contribute to that. Right. Uh, and I think that is one good. of the things that he's got in his book and I haven't read it. I, I, and I only bring it up because it was something that really got me excited when I first heard him talking about it and I haven't had a chance mm -hmm. to buy the book yet. Yeah, I guess I'll read it. I, I, I have not, I actually have never read a Ralph Nader book ever. So, and I do book reviews, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's how little with electoral politics, I'm just like, I'm out. But uh, yeah, so this kind of thing on a local level, um, I'm in Austin, so it seems like something I could do and experiment with and see what's happening. Awesome. Um, what do you think, Zach? It's hard to say. Um, I'm, I'm trying to take it all in. I, It's hard because they're like, I, I'm thinking there are so many organizations that like it can make you I, I want one organization I can go to like I, I was thinking I wish Savvy Savs was talking about um, all of the uh, unions and it's like it, you know it would be a lot easier if they were kind of federalized and like there was just one or um union we all go to and we fight it out and i uh to you know get what we deserve as workers and I, I don't know it what, that's what democracy is kind of supposed to be i think yeah i i agree um i mean we're just not getting any satisfaction because the people that we're are supposed to be listening aren't really listening and and we don't really know how to throw our weight around and by we i mean generally the american public because <laughs> if we did know how to throw our weight around certainly i would hope we would be in a better position than we are currently um and and i'm not convinced electoralism electoralism is definitely not a panacea and is not going to solve all our problems but as i was saying as I started the show, gosh darn it, it's not the answer, but it is one of the answers. We have to take every single approach that we can. There's 350 million people in this country. Even if you said there's, there's, I mean, if you, if you did, you'd have 35 million organizations if you had, you know, what is that, 100 people per organization or 10? I'm very bad at math.
So I think that it, these things could be done, but the question is who's going to do it and how do you get it done? Cause I don't know that part. Maybe Jonathan knows that part. I know we're trying to work on a project that would essentially be, we don't know yet, but kind of an online clearinghouse of information and contact for learning information, which all may be obsolete if anyone's tried that open AI chatbot recently. We seem to have come to a breakthrough in that. Oh my gosh, everybody's talking about chat GPT. I can't believe it. Uh, have you tried it? Oh my, I did the the login is is uh is complete not the login but the sign up is like full so but uh i mean i've been in ai since i was a kid that's what got me into computers you know all through the 90s Ah. i was you know like involved in fascination and then it's like okay this stuff is not happening and then now it's like oh it's kind of interesting now so you know really should be just called statistical modeling but yeah, it's pretty impressive. The, the new if bot, you haven't so. checked it out yet, folks, uh, definitely check it out. It's um, <laughs> I think it's mm, OpenAI Chat. I can't remember. Or search Chat, chat GPT. Yeah, search Chat GPT. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, um, a good thing is like this thousand organizer. An example of a successful thousand organizer unit, Ralph Nader, we call it a Nader unit or whatever. Um, if you all were to put something together and then um, something that can be copied or, you know, people can, as they're putting the stuff together, they can, uh, you know, you said like a clearinghouse or a place where people can ask questions. That's a, uh, you know, that would, I think that would be a good idea. Well, yeah, every supposed to have what at least seven hundred fifty thousand people in it, right? Maybe some of the ones in white have smaller numbers, but I mean that's not a small number. But you could really, with a hundred people showing up at meetings, and you know this, if so, what you do in each community is you've got two organizers that pull the community together on certain issues, like let's start with universal health care, because that seems like one that most people are good with, no matter what side of the aisle they're on. I think if you appeal instead of to right, we're not right, we're not left, if you appeal instead to being anti-establishment. I don't like appealing to the anti, but, you know. It is what it is. And and then and then you you're building trust and relationships with people in your community. And then if something happens that you need to bring fifty people down to the city council to stop it, you've already got people because you've built these relationships. You've got relationships built for the primaries so that you maybe can get somebody who's not the your average Joe reelected, whatever. I don't know. Does anybody else have any uh, thoughts on that? Because I've got Watson here. <laughs> I feel like I've got the spotlight on Watson. No, that's good. I had okay, a- cool. <laughs> so let's talk about healthcare. So one thing, I've been, you know, independent contractor and then doing different businesses since I was 20, 
21 years old. So getting healthcare on my own and all that stuff, something I've been doing, you know, all my life, really professional life. Um, one thing, and I get other people to work like how I worked, <laughs> but I'm in software. So it's a different, like we're in that space where we're right where I would call it. It's like not really, you can be precarious and then not be. So people that have a certain amount of money, they can spend all their money every month and be precarious. Like, oh, if I lose my job, I lose my house. Or they can be a little responsible and then they're not really precarious. They can withstand a year of not working or more. Um, so it's a weird space to even try to comment on healthcare. My thing has always been <clears throat> when someone says, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm scared of, I want my employer to give me the healthcare and all that stuff like that. It's just a weird thing to talk about on the, on the left. Um, I've always been like, okay, how much is your, do you think your, all your benefits are worth at your job? $10,000. You know, that's $5 an hour. Is it $20,000? Okay, $10 an hour. We give you an extra $10 an hour on your hourly rate for the year. Are, is that going to be good to handle all that? Or would you rather have them give you the health care? And, and it starts to be at some, there's some dollar amount that I would say it's really only like $5 an hour to handle your health care costs. Okay. Uh, but. Right. And but well, I was going to, my, my greater point was. Um, my greater point was okay. to take that. Um, uh, if you take a dollar an hour amount and add that to this thing where I was talking about with the dilemma, say something, I don't know, formulate it in some way to where we either need to have this higher dollar amount, minimum wage, add this on to handle the health care. Or we need universal health care to see. put them on the horns of the dilemma thing. That kind of thinking is I what see. I'm talking about. I see. Thank you, because I was about to, you could you probably tell, I was about to argue back. I, I'm just <laughs> going to say for, for purposes. Yeah, of, I mean, yeah, family-wise, I, I would say $10 an hour is going to handle your, $20,000 is going to handle your premiums and all that stuff for your health care. I would say 10000 but $20,000. $1,000 a month. 2000 a month or whatever. It's going to help you even for family 100%. Yeah. I just want to, when <laughs> I went to go get private health insurance in 20, whatever year we had to start do, buying our own health insurance, because I also mm -hmm. have worked on my own. My husband at the time didn't have health insurance coverage. They, mm. the, the cost for me alone was $780 a month and the cost for him was $250 a month because mm -hmm. I was a woman of childbearing age. Right. So it's about and that's $5 that's legal an hour. for them to do. <laughs> that it requires <laughs> that much additional and that was like the lowest level with yeah. the biggest deductible. Yeah. So those kind of, I just want to add it to your the texture of your story because women listening may do what I did and initially go okay but women and then also as you get older they start charging you more too yeah I, you know push back it's about five dollars an hour what you just said <laughs> if, if you're you working full, seven dollars if you're if you're working full time and you don't have money taken out yeah right because you also have yeah. to factor in the taxes that get taken out and everything else, right? 
yeah, this is for independent for an independent contractor type thing. So your tax situation when you're charging, is what totally you're different. Them. Totally, I completely yeah. agree with that. It's totally different. You get to take home way more money than a W two. So. Right, but you can also end up at the end of the year with tax problems, which is what happened to my husband. <laughs> yeah, which means yeah, I mean, that's what happened that. to me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. People be um, warned. Yeah. People be warned. Yeah. Don't get married. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's a question. Love. How much, how much do you think all your benefits for your job, how much would, how much are they worth dollar wise oh. an hour? Oh, I don't get any benefits. Oh, how much at your best job you ever had? How much do you think it's <laughs> worth? Uh, God, it, it's been so long since I worked for somebody else that I don't really remember. And it was Louisiana when I was a public school teacher. So I'm going to guess not that much. Like 20000 a year? Like <laughs> no, I barely made, all, I think yeah. I made $23,000 a year cash. When uh, I was okay. So, I mean, we're talking about $10 an hour, right? So that kind of thing is what I'm saying that. Adding that to the minimum wage, there's right. some type of thing that where it's like, hey, you either give us this or you give us this over here. Pick your poison. And then right. you're pulling in the people from the on the right side that are there very much kind of, oh, yeah, let people have personal accountability and all that stuff. You can kind of pull some of them over to the policy. Right. I think something that kind of thinking is my point. Right. I'm not sure because I can't speak from from a place where I have been getting a paycheck for most of my life. I'm not I'm not sure. I can only say what I remember when I did have that kind of situation. It seemed like there was all this stuff that kept getting taken out of my check. And I'm like, wait a minute now. <laughs> How mm-hmm. I thought these were supposed to be benefits. And it feels like I'm not getting any of the benefit of anything. And you're not, you're not. (laughs) How how do we, how do we, how, I mean, this is why I think healthcare not being attached to your job would improve everybody's outlook. Is there a way that we can, I don't know. That I 100% believe that healthcare attached to your job and all the other benefits are a way for them to negotiate with you to exploit you more you as an employer as an employee you think that they're like oh i'm they're giving me a benefit they're offering me a job i'm not doing a service to them they're doing a service for me and it's madness right right? and and a part of that is okay here's your health care here's your all of that stuff is just to exploit you they really do not give you any benefit it's less than how much it's less than $10 an hour for sure. It's probably for worth sure. about five. No, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. And, and part of that is because we're not parts of unions and because we have the kinds of incentive, we center capital instead of people, which gosh, would be nice to center people instead of yeah. money, but you know, yeah. Even money convincing is the center of, of that life, though. Apparently, so, but, but convincing, 
people about the value of what it is their benefits are on the job, they yeah. think that like the employer is their caretaker. And so just trying to like, no, you don't believe your employer is your caretaker for anything else. They're kind of like your enemy. So, right. you know, they're not doing you a benefit right? with this. So, yeah. Well, these are these are two ideas, and I, I the the project um, the project that we've got underway. I've got a few um, essays to read. I think I got one from Samantha. I have Schnarfrey. I don't know if you're resending me that one. Um, Martin has still got one coming to me, and we'll have a show on that. Um, not tomorrow night because I'm not going to be around tomorrow night. Um, but but soon, maybe Tuesday. Please, if you have the email, civic now at yahoo.com and you'd like to participate, let me know if you can't come uh, around 3 p.m. Pacific time. That's about the same time of day as we are right now. We're at 4 p.m. Pacific time right now. Um, and let me know if that's not a good time on Tuesday because I thought I'd, we'd do a, an episode of the project. One of the ideas I was thinking is it might be good. There's, there's a couple of people who run regular rooms. Maybe, maybe if we had a room, there's like a flavor of the day theme kind of thing. Then I know if I'm going to pop, pop on to, you know, a room on Thursday, we're not talking electoralism. We're talking, I don't know, Kanye and the Kardashians, I don't know, something else, or pop culture, or or doing critiques of, of what fresh hell, or something. <laughs> so um, put that in your brains, and uh, I'm going to, Watson, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Otherwise, I'm going to wrap it up for today, unless... Uh, no, You've been a joy to have on. Thank you. Even in spite of your anti-electoralism, well, I won't, I won't characterize it that way. Your preference for something other than electoralism, I appreciate you joining me here up on the stage. And Zach, thank you for your question. I hope you all have a great Saturday. And I will, I'm sure, see all of you around. I'm going to play a song on the way out here. How about a little Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings? Yeah.